0: Welcome to the Geek-tastic Dad podcast. My name is Jason and I'm your friendly neighborhood geek and father of a daughter. As promised, I'll be delving into Chapter 2 of the Player's Handbook, which deals entirely with the nine core races. But that's just really the beginning for D&D. If you start looking at other sourcebooks, like Volo's Guide to Monsters, you'll find another seven races. In Wayfarer's Guide to Eberron, there are yet more. The list goes on, so be careful if you decide to go down that rabbit hole. Uh, but know that there are so many options if you're willing to purchase more sourcebooks. Maybe towards the end of this, I'll share some of my favorite non-standard races. Now, choosing a race for your character goes hand-in-hand with choosing the class, because you want the two to be compatible for a serious campaign. You could play a gnome barbarian, but you'll find you're at a disadvantage being considered small and having a slower base speed. It's totally possible, uh, but there are races better suited for that class. As I started to prepare to talk about this particular chapter, I realized that I could drone on and on about each one of the races individually, one at a time, but instead I think I'll give a high-level overview and then talk about some of the different characteristics. Hopefully that'll be a bit more entertaining, uh, but it'll make it shorter. That being said, thank you again for joining me. Now let's get started. Okay, there are nine core races, which are Dwarf, Elf, Halfling, Human, Dragonborn, Gnome, Half-Elf, Half-Orc, and Tiefling. Wow, that's a, that's a lot to take in, right? Not really. They're each kind of unique in their own little way, and the more you read and play the game, the more you'll get used to these races. I'm sure if, you've, if you're if you a fan of fantasy, you probably are familiar with many of these anyways. So dwarves are short and stout, generally temperamental and stubborn. They're slow to trust, especially around elves. Um, They're very skilled at holding grudges, too. Don't make a dwarf mad. Dwarves are shorter than humans, but we're not talking like Snow White and the Seven Dwarves short. Fantasy dwarves are still considered medium-sized creatures, so they have that going for them. They make good warriors, that's for sure. And when you imagine a dwarf, I'm sure you imagine this long, scruffy beard, and you wouldn't be wrong. Uh, Elves, on the other hand, are often the subject of, like, romantic fantasies. They're magical, otherworldly, graceful, and beautiful creatures. I'm sure when you think of an elf, you immediately picture an ancient force that is so far beyond beautiful that it defies description. Elves are often slender... And while they're about on par with humans in terms of height, they are more delicate, weighing in anywhere between 100 and 145 pounds on average. Unlike dwarves, elves don't grow facial hair, uh, which just enhances their delicate features even more. Now, halflings, like gnomes, which we'll talk about in a few, are of the little folk. Standing roughly around three feet tall on average, they are considered small. If you've ever seen Lord of the Rings, you'll equate halflings with hobbits because halflings are often simple folk who enjoy their comforts and just want to live in peace and be left alone. They enjoy fine wine and are definitely foodies. Occasionally, a halfling will be lured into a life of adventuring by a wise and old wizard. Wait, nope, nope, wrong story. Moving on. Humans are the most common races in most campaign settings. They are short-lived compared to other races, so humans are driven to achieve as much as they can in their few years. But though they don't live as long, they are vast in numbers compared to other races, and they build these often huge empires. While on most accounts humans may seem mundane, they are the most adaptable of all the races. Uh, Now, uh, I'll be honest with you, I don't really know nearly as much about Dragonborn as I should. They obviously have draconic heritage, and per the player's handbook... They are shaped by draconic gods that are and they're hatched from eggs. Sometimes you will find a dragonborn uh, as servants of dragons, but one thing is for sure, they are fierce and proud warriors. Now, as promised, we'll jump into the gnomes. They are the other race of small folk. Though they differ greatly from halflings, gnomes are tinkerers and advent uh sorry, inventors They love grinding gears, and you occasionally hear explosions in gnomish communities, followed by cheers. They delight in building things. To to them, tinkering is just just pure joy. While gnomes can live up to 500 years, they often operate as if they are living but a blink, trying to cram in as much life experience as they can. So, moving on to half-elves. Half-elves are an interesting race, for sure. They are half-human and half-elf. And I know what you're thinking but half human doesn't sound as cool. Half elves feel like outsiders because the human half prevents them from being included in the elf world and their elven heritage prevents them from really fitting in with the humans. Unlike their elven kin elf or sorry half elf males can grow facial hair but to the elves that's sort of a stigma they can't overcome. It's a reminder of their human heritage that sometimes they don't like. Likewise, their almond-shaped eyes and their pointy ears make them stand out in human cultures. Starting to get the point? And if you think being a half-elf is rough, try being a half-orc. While their human heritage does give them an intellectual advantage over their orc cousins, they are still considered a barbaric race. Half-elves at least are tolerated by humans, but half-orcs are outright ostracized. Spending their time either trying to fit in with an orcic orcish culture, or being judged by humans, half-orcs are often even more lonely than elves. Now finally, we get to the tiefling. What a fascinating creature. Tieflings are often the subject of suspicion and exclusion by humans, but for a very different reason. So imagine a creature with blue, red, or purplish tinted skin walking around with horns and a tail that reeks of fiendish heritage. That's right, Tieflings are derived from human bloodline, but they also have an infernal heritage that has left a clear marker on them. Mistrust surrounds them, and they are feared by other races, and rightfully so, because that infernal blood gives them special powers that are rooted in darkness and pain. They're fun to play, for sure, and they make great sorcerers and warlocks. So, I mean, that's it. That's the nine races in a nutshell. Uh, Moving on to the racial traits. As you might have already considered, each race has unique traits uh, that make them what they are. And most of them have subraces. Plus, humans have a variant. Humans don't have a subrace. So what's the difference between a subrace and a variant? Excellent question. Subraces add benefits or modifiers to the base race, whereas a variant replaces existing benefits or modifiers. For example, a hero dwarf is a subrace of the dwarfs. Having a hill dwarf, you get an additional plus one to your Wisdom Ability Score. Whereas with the Human, the Variant gives you a plus one to two different Ability Scores of your choice. Whereas the Core Human race gives you a plus one to all Ability Scores. Does that make sense? As you might have guessed, one of the first things you want to check uh, of a race is the Ability Score bonuses. And compare it to what Ability Score is important for the class you want to play. Like, for example, a halfling will give you a plus two bonus to dex or dexterity, which is great if you're playing a rogue because most of the cool things that rogues can do rely heavily on dexterity. So scan through the races, identify what their ability score bonuses are, and see if any of the classes you like aligns to that. Age is an interesting trait, but it doesn't really play into the mechanics of D&D. It's more metadata. It does help you identify how old your character should be based on the level of maturity you're looking for. In most cases, you want a character to at least be an adult. Alignment um, uses—it used to be more important in previous versions of D&D in my opinion, but I don't feel like it weighs very much into the 5th edition rules. That being said, your character will have an alignment of some kind, and each race has a propensity towards a certain alignments. If you want to have fun with it, make it a little conflicting. For example, play a lawful good tiefling, whereas tieflings are generally lean more towards evil. Uh, size can be important, and most races will fall in the medium range. You know, gnomes and halflings are considered small, uh, but there are certain rules that size does impact. We'll talk about that later, and different episodes. Medium-sized creatures range from about 4 to 8 feet tall, whereas small creatures are found in the 2 to 4 feet range. And then there's speed. Speed determines how far you can move when traveling under different conditions. Like When you're in combat, speed becomes very important because it will impact things a lot more. Imagine you are a halfling you can move at 25 feet per round. You're trying to escape a human who's trying to kill you who can move at 30 feet per round. You can't outrun the creatures with higher speeds than you. Likewise, you can't catch a fleeing creature if it has a faster speed. So that stuff plays in a little bit. Uh, Language comes into play more as you start adventuring. So your DM might ask the party who speaks under common. The answer to that will determine whether or not a character in your party can actually read a clue. It may impact communications in different cultures at times, though most intelligent races speak common, which is basically whatever your native language is outside of the game. So for me, it would be English. And then there are subraces, which we touched on briefly already. Nearly all races have a subrace, which have all the racial traits of their parent race, plus a few more. Uh, Think of the different kingdoms of elves, high elves, wood elves, even dark elves or drow. They're all very different, and they have uh, unique abilities to them that stack on top of their parent race. Uh, You'll also find various other attributes under the different racial traits, such as dark vision, breath weapons, tool proficiencies, etc., Read through the races and check out what the different traits are. Some of them are pretty neat. Finally, you'll find that each race has some narratives attached to certain uh, factors of their personality or their their culture. Uh, that helps expand on who they are as a group. An uh, you know, example is under the elves, you'll find a slender and graceful section. That has a narrative attached to it, It's which reads, and I quote, With their unearthly grace and fine features, elves appear hauntingly beautiful to humans and members of many other races. They are slightly shorter than humans on average, ranging from well under 5 feet tall to just over 6 feet tall. They are more slender than humans, weighing in at only 100 to 145 pounds. Males and females are about the same height, and males are only marginally heavier than females. And it goes on from there. It's Fun, right? So go through chapter 2 read through the races. It's always a fun way to kill a little bit of time and it should light up your imagination like you wouldn't believe. I mean, I know I love reading through it. Okay, as I promised, I'll tell you some of my favorite non-standard races. Pulling directly from Volo's Guides to Monsters, I'll start with two races that really stand out thanks to Critical Role. First is the SMR. Now this race is cloaked in mystery. There are uh, they are not half-celestial, and the player's handbook describes them as being placed into the world to serve as guardians of good and law. Some theorize that they're distant relatives of celestial beings, while others believe they are simply blessed by the gods. Whatever your personal theory is, uh, they are fierce warriors with celestial spirits. Now, you can have fun with it and uh, kind of, I guess, make it up as you go. Give them a unique personality or unique background, thanks to the the ambiguity in the player's handbook but they do have resistance to necrotic damage and the ability to heal as a racial trait uh there are three subraces that are pretty cool one in particular is the fallen asmar which is basically an asmar that was touched by evil as a youth Uh, because they have celestial origins uh, but mortal bodies they are conflicted between their godlike duties and their mortal possession of free will did i mention they have wings they can fly for one minute come on that's just cool the other race I spoke about is the Furblog. They're a peace-loving race. They're blue, skin tone, um, who prefer to live off the land, even are caretakers of the land, and they're considered natural druids. They are, they are basically pacifists for the most part, preferring to find peaceful ways to ward off intruders. Uh, player's handbook describes them as diverting springs, driving away games, stealing critical tools even altering trails to leave hunting parties lost. However, they are not completely opposed to taking a more direct approach if necessary. Of course, they'll start politely. One more cool race uh, from Volo's Guides to Monsters. This is a tabaxi. Uh, They're basically cat humanoids. They live in small clans and hunt for food, largely keep to themselves, but some have been known to venture off in search of adventure. Uh, They do treasure knowledge above all else. Uh, They're super agile, course, they're cats. Uh, They have claws and are very perceptive and stealthy. Some of their quirks are quite amusing, though. Uh, One of them is, quote, your tail betrays your inner thoughts. I can only imagine how much fun this would be (laughs) in a campaign setting. Another reads, you have a minor phobia of water and hate getting wet. While not surprising, that would be fun to roleplay. If you're looking for a unique and fun character, consider a Tabaxi. Uh, Might make for some laughs. Now, one last race I want to touch on is called the War Forge, from Wayfarer's Guide to Eberron. What makes this race so interesting to me is that it's not a sentient creature, per se. They are mindless automatons, basically medieval robots forged from steel and stone. Obviously, they show little emotion, have a clearly defined function. They obviously don't need to eat, drink, breathe, or even sleep, and they're immune to poison and disease. They're tough, too, have a plus one to AC, uh, just as a racial trait. I'm not sure how I would do playing Warforge, but it would be curious to see how it goes in a campaign. So there's, there's a few extras for you. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed those. So that's it for today. Uh, a little shorter than usual, but I think it got to the point. Uh, if you would enjoyed this podcast, consider supporting me. Just point your favorite web browser to geektastic.link slash support. That's geektastic.link slash support. Thank you for joining me. Be sure to like and share this podcast with your friends and spread the word. If you'd like to reach out to me or follow me on social media, go to geektastic.link contact. Please like and subscribe my podcast on your favorite app. It could be iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, whatever. Leave me comments if you can. Um, you can see the list of the full podcasts that I'm on at geektastic.link podcast. Remember to be kind to one another, remember to have fun, and always, always stay geek-tastic. Have a wonderful time.